Do you have trouble sleeping? Then Sleepscape could be your answer. A world first sleep aid podcast recorded live in some of Australia's most iconic places. I invite you to sleep under the stars. It's like you're actually there. Choose from over 10 locations. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Sleepscape. Choose where you sleep tonight. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to win a $100 gift card, just click the link in the show notes to take part in our quick 60-second survey. Episode 15. I think he's buried under the road. With the inquest into my uncle Des's disappearance now completed, we thought that might be it. We've had a little bit of closure after 42 years of wondering what might have happened to him. It wasn't really answers we got, but it certainly helped to hear the words of the coroner say things like, she thought that maybe the police took too long and didn't have enough resources on the case back in 1979. She also thought the fact the lack of investigation back in those days probably has left this case wide open with little chance of ever knowing exactly what happened. Although the coroner found that my uncle was probably dead, she couldn't 100% confirm it, nor could she tell us how she thinks it may have happened. Head back to previous episodes to hear how the story unfolds so far. You might have heard in the last episode that as my family was walking out of the inquest, they met up with Pam and Jody. They are mother and daughter, and they knew Des really well. On the phone to my brother after the case, he mentioned he had an interesting chat with them both. She and her mum were there, and um, they both said the same thing that I think that happened, is that he was murdered and possibly... Uh, put under the road and covered up and according to her she always thought um, it was someone from the main road that may have been involved in it. I decided I'd give them both a call and try to understand not just what they think but why they think it. Hello. Hello, is that Pam? Yes, it is. Hi Pam, it's uh, Jay. I'm... Desmond Carr's nephew. Oh, you his nephew. I wondered why. Uh, Did you know him? I remember him as a kid. I was uh, I was only about nine when he went missing. Memories would be mixed up then. Yeah, they are a little. Um, I just remember him being really tall and really. Yes, he was about six foot tall. Yep. Lanky, very lanky. Uh, he had a wicked sense of humour. Um, He'd pull your leg as long as he could. It seems like Pam knew Des well, and her partner Colin and Des were really good mates. I think I told them at the inquest, um, Colin and I went over east to drop the kids off for a holiday or pick them up, and um, uh, my elderly neighbour next door wrote me a letter and said, you'll have to come home quick, that Desi has moved two ladies of the night in and he's taking money for them. <laughs> he was too. 
He was cheeky she then, said, clearly. She said, it's all right, though. She said, because I sneaked over onto your porch and took the agitator out of your washing machine. So they can't stay long. <laughs> wow. So that's what he was like. He had the devil in him. And Colin and Des were as thick as thieves, were they? Oh, thicker. Absolutely. But there was a big age difference between them, but they were really good friends. And and so how was Colin, how did Colin react when he found out Des was, had gone missing? We made all the inquiries we could and we asked at the police station, which was fairly hopeless at that time. Um, it's hard to describe what the Northwest was, but it was a, it was a fair bit wild and woolly. Um, we always heard that he'd been in a fight with the Yugoslav and I always thought that um, that fight might have continued and I always have believed he's under the tarmac. So what leads you to believe that he would be under the road? Um, the fact that um, the guy he had the fight with um, there wasn't a fighter, so it would have to be something fairly nasty. Um, I would like to know the name of that person. And this Yugoslav man, did, did Des know him well? I don't know. That I don't know. I just feel that um, because he's never been seen again, because I don't believe what I heard at the inquest, these people that saw him with various people, um, he was drunk and he was out of his mind and that's wrong. Did Des... It's wrong. Did, did you Des... can't lose someone like that because he was on a roller, because it's so easy if you can find a way of going up at midnight and disposing of a body and shifting, wow. shifting the roller along a bit. It's quite possible because the roads between Port Hedland and Broome have got long, long straights, you know, maybe two miles straight, three miles straight. So if you did something at night, you'd just have to wait for the end of the headlights coming or going, continue with what you were doing. Did Colin think the same thing, that Des yes. had been murdered? Yes, yes, he did. He said he would have come back to us. My uncle went missing in 1979. When was the last time you saw him before you heard of his disappearance? We saw him in Broome. I can't tell you the, the year. Probably two years. We saw him in Broome at the Shinzu Matsuri Festival once. And he came down and stayed a weekend a couple of times. And had you spoken to him on the phone or anything like that previous to no, his No, there were no phones in those days. Yeah, okay. And there would have been a phone at the camp, but I, I imagine it would be one phone. And there was just, it was a different world. You could hide things if you wanted to. Do you think someone knows a secret up that way about what happened to him? Yes, somebody knows, yes. How they've managed to keep it a secret, I don't know, unless they were involved. And so you sat in the inquest, you're at the back 
of the courtroom on the inquest day when the coroner handed down her findings. What were your thoughts? I uh, said that um, I was hoping to get more out of it. It, it was a sad day, but I can understand that um, the magistrate felt she couldn't come to any other decision simply because nobody knows. But I believe that he's under the tarmac. Did you and have you told police your theory? No. No, not under the tarmac, I haven't. They're not interested. They never were interested. They just said, you know, it was a fight. I used to ring the every year on Homelessness Week, Missing Persons Week, I used to ring Broome and Port Hedland to remind them just to see if there was anything on the case, but there never was. Pam is now 83, and like everyone that's come forward on this podcast, I don't want to judge what they have to say or what they think. I also don't believe that it gives us false hope or anything like that. Really, it's just about getting perspective, and who knows, one small bit of information could lead to something larger. Pam's daughter Jody was in the background of that call I made. Jody was living with her mum and Colin at the time. She was 16, just shy of 17, and she also remembers Des really well. Um, I'm Pam Gangel's daughter. Pam, yeah, Pam's daughter. What do you remember of Des? <laughs> he was a funny bugger. Um, he was just a lovely man. You know, it was nothing was too much trouble. Like you know, being a teenager, it was you're always a bit horrible. But he was always very gentle around me and around my brother um, because we, Mum had come from a rough few years earlier, a rough um, marriage, and we were a bit wary of men. But no, he was always a pleasure to be around. And so uh, your mum had a memory of um, of De- seeing Des maybe a couple of years before he went missing. What's your memory of uh, the last time you saw him? He was actually asleep, uh, drunk in the chair, <laughs> with his stubby still in his lap. And um, I went to remove the stubby and he said, no, 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 it's all right, I've got it. And he woke up and he finished his beer and toddled off to bed. And... Because as a teenager, I was out with my friends. I didn't sort of see that much of them, plus they were working. And then um, I went to New Zealand for a while and came back and uh, to to live with my birth father for a while and came back and Desi had gone up north to work. And I was up there during Shinzu. The family friend's daughters went up. They were in their 20s. They were nurses from Sydney. And both mothers got together and decided, oh, it'd be lovely for Joe to go up with the girls, which I don't think they appreciated. But um, when Des went missing, I was up in Broome at the Shinzu Matsuri with the girls and I was underage drinking at the Roebuck and the barmaid said, the cops are looking for you. So I tried to do a bolt out the back thinking it was for underage drinking. And anyway, they caught me, so to speak. And they said that Des had gone missing and I knew what he looked like. So if they took me all around Broome, because the, the township during Shinzu went from oh, 2,000 to 20,000 over that week period to see if I could um, spot him in the crowd. 
but no, I couldn't, so. Shinju is the Festival of the Pearl. Back then, it was the event the whole town was involved in in Broome. These days it runs throughout late August and September. Broome is affectionately known as the Pearl of the North. It's the home of the South Sea Pearl, among the largest and most coveted commercially harvested pearls in the world. Lots of, uh, on the, the main oval, there'd be lots of stalls and entertainment during the day, on the main day, and then people just sort of stayed around for the, for the duration that, of the week, and then it would go back to, it was just one big party, basically. And a lot of the people um, were travelled for it quite a, quite a, a big distance. How many days after Des had gone missing were the police looking for you to ask you what he looked like? Probably it would have been two or three days, I think. Okay. I'm not sure that they told me. It was just, I was only 16, or, or, you know, thinking, oh, crikey, I'm in trouble here. So I sort of wasn't saying too much. But, and they didn't say too much. They probably didn't want to throw too much on me. And where did they take you? Um, well, at night, they used to have festivals at night all around the Oval, around the pubs. Um, and there was only probably one pub that Des would have drunk at, or two would have been the Conti, the Continental and the Roebuck. And I had been at the Roebuck and he would have spotted me and I would have spotted him. Even in amongst the crowd, it sort of overflowed onto the street. Um, and the Conti, I didn't see him there. And that was sort of a, a more of a upmarket pub so to speak, compared to the Roebuck. <laughs> at the Roebuck if you had if you had one song it was only because you'd found it and you were able to get in. And, and I guess the police took you to these pubs because it's most likely that that would be where Des would end up right? He didn't mind a beer all three. Uh, he didn't mind a beer at all. Yeah. And he was, a, he was, you know, and he'd had a drink he wasn't a nasty drunk or anything like that he'd just sort of go to sleep, smile a lot and go to sleep. Would he be the sort of drunk that would get into fights, would you think? Possibly in a pub. If there was a if it was a blokey type scene, yes. Yeah. But I never saw that within the house environment. And if he had a bit of a temper on him. Did he? Not a bad temper, but he didn't suffer fools gladly. Mm-hmm. So your mum's theory um, that you talked to about my brother and, uh, and Michelle when you walked out of the courthouse. Yeah. Tell me about that theory. But- well, only because we talked about it afterwards, after Des had gone missing, and at the inquest we sort of heard how the chair fell off the table, which would have been Des's answer to, yeah, I did get into a blue and he hit me with a chair, but we don't want the police brought into it. It was just a, a blue. If he had a head injury, that's what it would have been from. Tell me the theory that you and your family think happened to my Uncle Des? Well, I can't see Des just wandering off into the bush, even disorientated. He was too too smart for that. And if he's going to have a pee, he's just going to pee beside the grader or the tractor, the roller. He's not going to stagger off for a bit of privacy because there was really no one else around, obviously. Um, so that just strikes me as being a bit unusual. Um, yeah, and the fact that Fangui Station said that they'd seen a small fire um, off in the distance and they never went and checked it. Um, maybe they thought it was Aboriginal having a camp or maybe that was like a regular occurrence, but they said they noticed a small fire and Desi would have lit one. 
if he was in strike, try as a signal. Um, so that's something I, I, I don't understand. But knowing that the variety of people that were up and doing road works and up in Broome around that time, my thought is maybe Des somehow got himself attached to one, uh, a lady and who was attached to someone else. And that's maybe where the blue started. Was it Michelle showed me a, a message about what this gentleman had said? He believes that he was stopped by a driver who knew he was working on the roller that day. And whether or not they got into a blue then, and if it may not have been to kill him, it might have just been to settle the dispute. But they, he has been killed in that incident inadvertently and they've got to get rid of the body. So that is what I could have possibly happened, and I would not be surprised. And has your family thought this for the last 42 years? Yes. Have you given police this theory at all? Well, I left home at about 18, so I was never asked. I was never asked. I know Mum would keep me up to date every year because I moved interstate, and... We always sort of said, Did you, have you heard anything? No, nothing's ever come about. And it wasn't until Michelle contacted me two years ago, maybe, um, that I realised he had family, more family. And uh, I just said, keep me posted, and then it's led up to this. I just think that someone, as the coroner said, something like that, if it was foul play, someone would have broken hypothetically, at some stage and said something to someone after all that time thinking nothing would would come of it and someone might know something but the coroner said, well, no one's come forth and, and I would have thought at some stage someone would have broken it. So someone does know, someone would have broken the silence, either bragged to someone, oh, yeah, look, you know, I've killed someone or... It's what people tend to do when they drink their lips get a bit looser and I would like hope that someone eventually when they hear the podcast sort of goes oh crikey I remember blah blah and comes forward that would be that would be good because you know Desi was a good man and he didn't need to end up with this sort of history and that's exactly what happened someone did know something and they found me on Facebook and decided after 42 years to share what they think happened. Hello. Hello, is that Robert? Yes, it is. Robert, uh, my name's Jay. You reached out to me via Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. How you going? Good. You said in your message that you sent me that you might know something about my Uncle Des and his disappearance. Well, I knew him when I was up that way. I worked up there on a cattle station at that time. And... Um, after I left the Kimberley and came back to Perth, I bumped into him in, in, in the city one day and I said g'day to him and he was acting really queer and um, pretended not to know me and, you know, like, oh, no, he said it wasn't me. I haven't been up there. But it was him. I was only bloody on the piss with him a couple of months prior. Is it possible you saw him maybe before he went missing? No, no. I wouldn't have known him then. That in the next episode 
of the disappearance of Des. There are over 38,000 long-term missing person cases in Australia, and the story you've just heard is one of them. We want to continue to help bring these emotional stories of ambiguous loss to you so we can spread the word and hopefully get some closure for the families. For as little as the price of a coffee a month, you can help support us to keep creating this content. Just head to our Patreon page. The link is in the show notes.